Hi, everybody. That's Alfonso Rachel. I'm Bill Whittle, and this is the Virtue Signal, where we try to get off of politics and talk about things underneath politics to make us better citizens. And if we're better citizens, then presumably we'll have a better uh, political situation here in the country. We've been doing a, a, a series of shows that are not two-part shows so much as mirror images of each other. And this week, we're talking about uh, fear of failure and fear of success. And we've already talked about fear of failure. And fear of failure is relatively obvious. I mean, it's nobody wants to go out there and mistake, make a mistake. Nobody wants to choke, you know, in a in a public speaking event. No one wants to strike out in front of, you know, um, all of the fa- nobody wants to fail. So fear of failure, uh, we we just covered. But fear of success is something that is much more elusive. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this as a topic is because I'm sure I suffer from it to some degree. And so I still can't quite understand what it is. What is it when somebody says, "Ah, oh, your problem is you, you've got a fear of success? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, in the, in the last episode, I talked about, uh, or, you know, I talked about my personal uh, dealings with, with fear, fear of failure. And I kind of get the fear of success, too, because you get this success, do you know what to do with it? It's one thing to get it. It's another thing to keep it. You know, the... the uh, the pressures that may be on you to to do this, which may take away from the time that you want to be able to do this, and you know the uh, you know the, of course the higher the climb, you know the bigger the fall. Um, people who are going to like you know want to get into your circle, you know you're watching your back about who who you can trust and all those sorts of things. There's a lot of apprehensions that can come along with becoming successful. Um, so you know I I mean I I totally understand it, and it's just one of those things. Hey, it comes with it. You know, you, do you have the constitution be able to deal with it? Do you have the humility to learn as you go? Do you, can you, uh, what's that, uh, uh, like Dennis Hopper, you know, talking about when, when he goes off on that rap in Apocalypse Now, man, can you keep your head when all men doubt you and all that sort of stuff? Can you keep it, can you keep it together? You know, despite those things, you know, you look on the tabloids and you see these train wrecks all the time, people who've got their dream jobs, you know, it's like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you going through another divorce? Why are you, you know, yeah. strung out on drugs? You know, it's like, you've got the dream. You, why are you so greedy? You know? It's like, you've got this, but it's not enough for you. You got to do this to find some sort of pleasure and you wreck your life, you know, and, and you're, and you're shamed in public for the things that you do, but somehow still idolized. I don't know how that works, but you know, but I guess all those things, there's just so many factors that can come in to make a person fearful of being successful. Back when I was at uh, a theater student at the University of Florida, there was an incredibly talented actress and one of the most beautiful uh, women I've ever seen. Uh, occasionally watches these shows and it's, hey, Barb, if you're watching, how are you? Um, but she was just really exceptionally talented and stunningly gorgeous. And not long after we all graduated, or they graduated, and I simply stopped going to school, uh, she got a job on a sitcom. I'm sorry, not on a sitcom, on a soap opera. And it was a major role on a soap opera, on a major soap opera. And I got a chance to talk to her about a year or so after that. And she was being recognized everywhere. She was getting paid a fortune, at least compared to what we were you know, living on back in those days as students and so on. And she told me that she felt as if she was sitting on this ticking time bomb because she, knows, she knew that she'd done really great work before work that she'd been proud of. And she also knew that the soap opera stuff was not it. And she told me she felt like there, that she was sitting on a ticking time bomb and that any moment now, it got to the point where it was enough to make her, you know, really start doing some, some, some bad things to get out of the, 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 the fear of it. 
she had this sensation that somebody's going to knock on the door and the executives from ABC TV are going to come in and they're going to go, we've just now realized that we've hired somebody who has no talent whatsoever and the performances you've been giving are junk and we want all our money back. And, <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's a, that's a heavy thing to deal with. But it, I think it kind of goes to this idea of the fear of success. There's more to it than this. But if you put this tremendous effort out there and you achieve it, I think some people miss, they, they don't take the shot. It's very much related to perfectionism, I think. They don't take the shot because the shot could miss and... And as long as things are in the future, then you don't ever have to collapse these, you know, probability waves and find out yes or no. In other words, even if you think you might succeed at something, as long as it's something that's in the future in your mind, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, the, the possibility of it is always still open. But once you actually commit to it, one way or another, you're going to find out if you were right or not. You don't, you no longer have that narcotic effect of living in the when I get my chance or when the time comes. No, it's time is now. And, and so now you either take the shot or you don't. And, and the, the comfort that comes with being able to tell yourself that it's going to work and when it's going to work, it's going to be perfect. I think stops people. I know for me, one of the reasons that, that I have a writer's block when I'm writing fiction or, or, or these uh, things for that matter, is that I've, I've learned through experience that when I've got an idea, it's perfect in my head. And once I start putting it down on paper, it's not as good as I somehow thought it would be. And that's not so much a fear of failing because I know it's, I, I know it's going to be good work. It's a fear of, of like, uh, I, you, you, you were on this a second ago. It's a, I, I think it's a fear of, of being, of being good isn't good enough. You know, that, that you have, you will have to live up to this standard and continue to top it. If I go out there and become famous as a, as a film director, then, and, and I make a great first film and everybody is very impressed, then I've got to do that again, and I've got to do it better. Otherwise, I'm, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, who just starts at the top and just continues to, to fall downhill. He makes great uh, promotional ads, though, doesn't he? For his movies, his, his promotionals, they look amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then you go see the movie, and I'm like, oh, how did I get suckered into this again? Yep. <laughs> but, yep. You know, the th and success, you know, I think one of the scary things about success, man, is when you, when you see somebody doing what you know that has inspired you to say i would love to be able to do that and, and you and it's like you feel like i have tapped into what i'm wired to do i have discovered my passion and you you go to do it and for some reason it just doesn't seem as easy to do as that person who succeeded at it makes it look like you know it's like they make it look so easy and there's the shock shocking horror of like dude this isn't easy and you're just surprised by it and and then you you get faced with 
what it's going to cost, how much time it's going to cost, you know, particularly the time, the effort, the, you know, maybe even the money to be able to get to that level. And then there's the also horrifying thought of there's just always going to be somebody better at it than you. Even the person that you thought was so good at it. Hey, you could do a few clicks on YouTube and find somebody who's even better than that. Now you got to get to that level. It's like, when does it end? You know, how much time am I, do I got really a late start here? It's almost like in Star Wars, you know, when they say, you know, you got this little kid, you know, comes in as Anakin Skywalker, and even this little kid, Yoda's like, ah, oh, he's too old. <laughs> it's like, dude, he's just a little kid. How is he too old already? You know, so it's like you're getting this late start. It's like, man, by the time I'm that good, I'll be in my flipping 60s. And so, you know, you're, you're looking at these things and a lot of those things can make you afraid, you know, to succeed. It's like even when I was talking about, um, you know, the, the Lord, you know, and how he set this path. You know, he didn't fail in anything, but at the same time, he knew, it's like, look, I know that I'm not going to reach some people. It's not necessarily a failure on my part. If they don't get it, they don't get it. But the engineering, like you use the word engineering, that's exactly what it is. Because even when the Lord is setting up this prophecy in, 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 the, in the tabernacle, when, he's got, when, they, when they're wearing the priestly robes, everything in their robe is telling you what Jesus is going to do, what's going to happen to him, and who he is. And even in their sashes, like the implicated in the meaning of the word sash, and forgive me if my Hebrew is bad, I can't remember what the word is, but included in the meaning is ingeniously engineered ingenious scheming, right? There's, there's a calculation to, to, to wrap up this case. It's ingeniously engineered to do. So wearing a sash is a brand. It's, it's like a, it's like a, you're, it's like a signal to everybody that you're really, really smart. Yeah, it's, 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 yes. It's, it's, well, it's smart, but not just smart, but smart enough to calculate, to make a, um, an ingenious, um, not just a, a declaration, but um, what's going to be done to bring this to pass? It's it's ingenious. The way that this whole thing works out from that's gone over the course of thousands of years to get you to here. And this record was going to even be kept in their clothing. I mean, interestingly enough, even the robes for the priest indicates the failure. And and you and the thing is, the Lord is telling you, you should succeed at this but you're going to totally fail when this happens. Even your priestly robes, the word for it is beged. And the word for beged means treachery. You would think, it's like, why would you name the clothing of the priest treachery? Why would you name it after treachery? Because when the Redeemer came, they were absolutely treacherous to him. They tortured him to death, right? They were treacherous to him. So all those things are even in this clothing and it points out a fail. It's like the dichotomy of success and failure. I am going to succeed in my atonement and you're going to fail to recognize when it happened. Yeah, maybe that's kind of it. You know, you were talking about that a minute ago, um, that sense of like, fear of success is, is I think, mostly um, generated by the realization of the fact that you're just going to have to operate at a much higher level than you are now. Because if you look at if you look at the success the way many people look at success, which is I'm going to run and run and run, and then I'm going to cross the finish line that says success, and then I'll be on the other side of success, then I can just relax. Uh, that's not how it works. Hmm. Success means you have to run faster, and you have to run faster all the time. You, you 
if you are moving along at a jog now and you want to be successful, it's not like you have to move into a sprint till you cross the line. You're going to have to be sprinting for the rest of the time mm -hmm. that you're going to be successful. That's what it is. It is a, it is a level of, of heightened output. And no matter what the subject is, it doesn't have to be artistic, obviously. And, and some people, I think, many people, just on some level, recoil against it because they don't want to do that much work. And, and frankly, I don't blame most people for that. It is, it is a very, very demanding lifestyle to be really successful. And I have a friend who was a, a limo driver in Orlando, drove Steven Spielberg around a lot when they were building Universal Studios down there. And here's a guy who is in constant perpetual motion, constantly. I'm going down, I'm going to supervise this, and I'm going to, then I'm going to fly over here, I'm going to look at proofs of this. I got one movie in proof production, I'm on a set for another movie starting tomorrow, I've got two films that are being edited, you're just constantly, constantly, constantly in motion. And, and he's obviously an enormously successful guy, but some people just don't, either don't have the, the, the fuel to expend, or they just plain don't want that love. You know what? Here's really the word responsibility right mm. because what, what comes with success is responsibility and when you have a fear of success i suspect a lot of it is a fear of the responsibility that comes with being a success if, if like when i started billwhittle.com i'm obviously not a very great businessman but you know making sure that there's enough money for the paychecks not to bounce and things like that is a very big responsibility. Signing the front of the check is entirely different than signing the back of a check. Mm -hmm. And and that can keep people uh, away from it, is, is, is they don't want to deal with the fact that they will be responsible. They won't have the, they won't have the cover of being able to say, well, company went out of business, not my fault, you know, I'm not the boss. Definitely, man. It's as, as, as content creators, that's our responsibility that we want to be focused on is, is trying to keep up the quality and, and improve, you know, and, and our facing failures of doing that. It's like there's certain things, I guess, that, you know, people will accept, you know, as things that they're okay with failing at to, to some degree. Um, you know, but the, the, the external responsibilities, like you said, you know, being able to sign the check, uh, the public relations aspect of it, you know, cause you know, people may, um, they may really appreciate your work. Uh, but you know, chances are they're going to want to interact with you. And it's like, oh, you know, can I still be the person that they like uh, surrounded by my work rather than in my actual persona? Um, you know, so that's that could be a lot of pressure. Like even like with me, like sometimes you're like, man, like when people meet me, uh, they're like, you're a lot different in person, man. You don't talk as much. <laughs> You know, so it's like, oh, no, you know, there's this pressure of like meeting people and not being the same person that they really liked as far as my camera present goes, presence goes compared to how they may meet me in person. And, and my whole thing is like, and I guess how I justify this is, is, well, you've already heard me speak. That's how you wanted to meet me. But I'm a fan of people. Who, be, who decided they want to be my fans. I'm a fan of yours. I want to hear you talk. <laughs> you know, it's like, tell me your story, man. You've already heard you know, stuff about me. Tell me about you. So I just, I'm like sitting there like looking dumb, you know, you know, <laughs> you can go, you can talk, you know? And uh, so it's, it's things like that, that people can be afraid of. Uh, you know, all the other, you know, like, you know, the, the accounting aspect, the administrative aspect of all these things uh, that, that come along with it. And um, you don't want to fail at those things because those failures can cost other people, you know, beside yourself. I think I'll just wrap this up by asking uh, people watching the show, how many people do you know, and you may be one of them, 
It's usually not so easy to tell with yourself. How many people do you know who have decided in the course of their lives that they'd rather be comfortable than happy? Hmm. How many people do you know who are in jobs that they hate and have always hated or in marriages that, that are, 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 are loveless and, and, and have given up a long time ago or whatever the case may be? They would rather be comfortable than happy. That becoming happy requires effort and change and and getting, that's what change is, is getting out of your comfort zone. And it's a form of entropy. It's a form of, of, of just heat death. When you find yourself in a situation that you either don't like or actively despise and have been in that situation for a while, the reason you're still there is because you would rather be comfortable than happy. And I was on the uh, I was on the, the the nasty end of that stick, uh, where I was being comfortable. And when somebody accused me of the, well, it was a psychologist, <laughs> basically said, you know, problem with you, Bill, is, you're, is you'd rather be comfortable than happy. <laughs> How dare you! I am doing nothing but trying to be happy. My entire life and the reason I'm here is because I'm trying to find happy. How dare you! Well, if you if you really wanted to be happy, you wouldn't be doing the same thing over and over again, would you? You'd be doing something different, but you're doing the same thing over and over again because you're familiar with it and you know what it's like. And you're comfortable with your depression. You're comfortable with your sadness. You're comfortable with all these things. You've had them your whole life. They're, they, they, they're not fun. And I'm not accusing you of not wanting to change them, but I'm saying you are too attached to them. You're unwilling to let go of it. You're, you're in a raging rapids. You're holding on to this rock and you're slowly freezing to death and you're unwilling to let go knowing that letting go is the only way you can possibly survive this, but you're not going to do it. You cannot give up the comfort of, of being miserable and facing that and really just owning it is a tough, tough pill to swallow. Uh, when you realize that you are the architect of your own misery because of your unwillingness to do the extra work necessary to get out of being miserable, uh, that is a lesson that very few people get to learn. And I count myself extremely fortunate that I was I had enough good advisors and enough perseverance, probably enough pigheadedness to let life beat the stupid out of me. Indeed. And, you know, that what what you just mentioned right there, you know, with the uh, with your counselor saying, hey, you're you're more interested in being comfort, comfortable than being happy. Man, that's that's a story right out of Exodus. You know, the Israelites, they were slaves. Right. But, but the problem right. was, is that they weren't comfortable. They didn't mind. They they didn't mind being slaves. They actually as far as I've read, they didn't ask to be free. They just wanted to be comfortable. But the oppression was just getting and God was like, I'm going to have to teach you and I have to teach Pharaoh a lesson at the same time. We're going to we're going to make it really ugly, make it really ugly. And when you guys walk out of here, you guys are going to walk, want to walk right back to Egypt. You guys aren't really handle, ready to handle the responsibility of being free. You could. You could. But you got too much pride. You got too. And it's like you got all the wrong elements to be able to handle it. Now you lean on me. We'll be able to handle this. But you're going to get scared and you're going to and you're going to want to go right back. And, you know, like in a nutshell, you know, that's what's, that's what's going on. And we see that in human behavior all the time where people just want to be comfortable. Do you, do you really want to be free or do you just want to feel secure? Do you really want to be happy or do you want to be comfortable? And, you know, and, and, and that, that plays out with a lot of people. And like, you know, you were talking about, you know, you alluded to relationships is one of the reasons, you know, why, you know, so many relationships, you know, fail that pride is going to be at the root of that. 
um, you know, uh, afraid of being vulnerable. You gotta be, you gotta be prepared to be vulnerable. There's, yep. there's strength in vulnerability. Even, even vulnerability is a military strategy. The appearance of being vulnerable to, to, to advance. You know, um, but you know, even a relationship, you can't be afraid to, to, to fail with your relationship. Sometimes your, your, your spouse may appreciate you being a little silly, make it be prepared to make a fully out of yourself. You yeah. Know, and to, there comes times in a relationship when you have to make it clear that if this happens again, I'm walking and, and this isn't a joke. Right. Yeah. This, I'm not playing around. It's not an empty threat. And, mm. and that kind of thing requires a great deal of courage because you don't want that to happen at all. And, and business negotiations are the same way. You may be starving, really desperately need this job or, or, or this connection or contract or whatever. People can smell that, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to walk out of any negotiation that you're in or else you're, you're, you're going to lose. And, and just to wrap this up, you know, when I think about that, we, we as conservatives, we're constantly aware of the fact that we are imperfect creatures and we are not only fallible, the idea that we can be made infallible is a very, very, very bad idea. That there is something in the human heart, there's a there's a fault line where the, our ability to do well or to continue to do well, it just it's there. And for me, the two examples that come within just pages of each other that best illustrate that are, are from Exodus. One of them is uh, the prohibition on gathering manna right you couldn't you couldn't keep it or store it or preserve it you, that that was it and 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 you ran into people who who in the story have bread falling from the sky every day and yet they cannot get over the fear that it won't happen tomorrow yes right that they that they, okay well yeah sure this is working for us now but what about tomorrow well there's bread falling from the sky <laughs> but he, but even more in fact i think this is probably the greatest example in all of human literature and storytelling You've got a group of people in the Israelites who have just watched the Red Sea be parted and escape from bondage. They've seen a, they've seen a guy with a beard who's gone up and, and talked and come down with tablets and, he, and he's poked his staff against a rock and water comes out and he's parted the sea and saved everybody. And after all this is over, what is it that they want? They want a golden calf, right? They have a pillar of fire uh, and a pillar of smoke and and. And, and food is falling from the sky, but it's not enough for them. They need the, the, the comfort of grabbing on to something tangible. We're going to, uh, oh, a golden calf, something that we can worship. We can't, we cannot, it's uncertainty that people can't handle. That's the people, people would much rather destroy an opportunity than, than allow that uncertainty to continue in their lives. Definitely, man. And, and it's, uh, you know, and here we are, you know, again, people wanting that sense of certainty and they want that certainty facilitated by the state. They have made right. this kind of insecurity Security over freedom. That's right. And it leads to oppression. And that's that's why it's at the top of God's commandment. It's like, dude, don't have any other gods before me. And when we're talking about gods, we're not necessarily talking about gods in deistic sense. We're talking about authority. Right. Judicial, legislative, uh, executive influential mountains of authority. Well, people have made the state that God and look at what's in God's like, you don't want to do that. You you really want to talk about oppression and tyranny. You're going to give yourselves over to that. I, I tried to tell you. <laughs> so yes, the, these, these insecurities of, and, and, and unfortunately, Bill, we think we got a lot of people out there that think that this is a success. And it, it may not even be most people. It's it, it may be a minority of people, but a minority of people can do a lot of damage. Yeah, you, you know. Bet. So uh, you know, this is what we're up against.
Well, it's absolutely right. A minority of people can do a lot of damage. And a minority of people can do a lot of good as well. Mm. And that's why we're here. And that's why we do these shows. And that's why we have a small number of people who continue to support us on a daily basis for which we are all perpetually grateful, I can assure you. Every single member of this small staff is just constantly aware of the sacrifices that our, our members make in order to keep the lights on here and keep us doing this. So we're very, very grateful for that. So until next time, I'm Bill Whittle with my friend Alfonso Rachel. This show is called The Virtue Signal, and we'll see you next time right here at BillWhittle.com. 